This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Thank you, Sid. I'm here with Judy Franklin, and uh, Judy is uh, on the staff of Bethel Church in Redding, California. She was actually Bill Johnson's personal assistant for 16 years, so she worked closely with him and also with Benny Johnson. Um, Judy, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. How are you? Oh, very good. Thank you. Good. Well, we're going to get started with Judy Franklin. Um, I, I personally have not heard too many stories like Judy's, and I can't wait to share it with you. Um, Judy, I understand that uh, when you were small that you had an interest in the Bible, but your family was actually ignorant to the truth of the Bible. How was it that you actually learned um from the Bible and, and wanted to be a believer uh, when your family wasn't wasn't teaching you? How did you go about that? Well, my mother got a Bible for the table. Um, you know, every good family has a Bible on their coffee table. Um, and I would go through and look at the pictures, and I'd read under the pictures. I have a severe learning disability, so you'd couple that with not understanding what the Bible was even about. But we said our prayers every night, you know, um, now I lay me down to sleep prayer. So I just go through this Bible and look at the pictures. And um, finally, I found a children's Bible book that my grandmother had, and she gave it to me. And I, it was Herbert Stories of the Bible. And I understood it because it put it all in stories that I could see in my mind. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how I learned anything from the Bible. When I was 18, I started going to a church, and I um, met my future husband there. And we went to this church, this church but something happened there. And we left, and we started going to a church called Melody Land Christian Center. And they believed in speaking in tongues, and they believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I started seeking after that. I read in the Bible that it says the Holy Spirit's a down payment for your salvation. Well, I wanted to be assured of my salvation. So that's the reason I was seeking the Holy Spirit. But I went forward one day, and they prayed for me, and I received a gift of speaking in tongues. And from that point on, it was, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> well, I understand, uh, as we have talked, that, that you've had visions and dreams and words from the Lord, even from a child, but you really just didn't understand them very much. But as you have become an adult, um, this has increased. And one day, God spoke to you a very, very specific word. Um, he said, Ronald Reagan, what does that mean? I was sitting and minding my own business when the Lord said, 
Ronald Reagan. And I waited for him to finish. And then I said, yes, he's our president. And he said that you could read about Ronald Reagan every day. I said, yeah, in the newspapers and books and stuff. He says, you can hear about Ronald Reagan every day. I said, oh, yeah, on the news and radio and things like that. And he says, and you're affected by what he does. I said, oh, yeah, I help sign a bill into law, and I have to obey the law. He affects what I do. And then he said, how well do you know Ronald Reagan? And I thought, well, I, I don't really know him. I can read about him and hear about him, but I, I've never really met him. And then he said, you can read about me every day. I said, oh, yeah, in the Bible and books. He says, you can hear about me every day. And I said, yeah, and preaching and radio, television. And he said, you're affected by what I do. I said, oh, yeah, totally affected by what you do. He says, how well do you know me? And my heart dropped. Because mm. I, I said, I don't. I read about him. I hear about him. Mm -hmm. I'm affected by what he does, but I really didn't know him. And and Judy, listening to you talk about this, I know um, that this this revelation, this wanting to know him on a personal basis, was a profound insight for you. I mean, it it, it basically set your life on a new path once you. Once yeah. you heard that word from the Lord. And one of the most profound revelations that I have ever heard about was a vision of God's love. Uh, tell me about that. Well, I had um, gone to Bethel Church, and there was going to be a conference at, in Toronto. And I went to that conference, and the Lord did something very significant for me. And when we got back to Reading, um, Benny, who was on that trip, Bill's wife, called me up and asked me to share on what was happened. And so I um, went up and I was scared of people. I have always been scared of people. My entire life, I've been scared of people. And, and I went to walk up there and the realization came to me, I'm not scared. I have no fear of any of these people. I would actually flunk tests that I would have to get up and speak in school because I would not get up and speak in front of people. Wow. So I got up there. There's 800 people. I shared my story. I suppose Bill prayed and Bill Benny prayed for me, but I'm not sure. I went over. I was slain in the spirit. I was his presence came, whatever you want to call it. And I'm down on the floor, and I didn't quite know what to do, which was probably good because I kept trying to get up, and I couldn't get up. It was like I was glued to the floor. And so the Lord just started showing me some things about the church, how he was going to knock all the hardness out of the church. And he was he was holding the heart in his hand and he started knocking on it and all this crust came off of it 
towards the very end, I looked up and I saw God's glory. I don't know how I knew what it was, but I knew it was his glory. It was the outshining of his presence. It was his presence. And I kept saying, look how beautiful it is. It is so beautiful. And it kept coming down and getting closer to me. And it became so bright, I had to cover my eyes because I I couldn't handle the brightness. It was so bright. And it just kept coming. And every breath I took, I breathed it in. I felt it throughout my body. And it was heavy. It was very heavy. And he kept coming. And I thought to myself, well, I'm going to die now. Because I knew I couldn't withstand his presence that much longer. My physical body couldn't. But my spirit was so enjoying it. And so I told him, I said, well, I'm going to die now. And I didn't care a bit. I thought, man, to be in his glory is so good. To be in his presence is so good. And without me realizing it, he started to withdraw. And it got to where I could... I could put my hand up and I could feel it. I was just waving my hand through it and, and I could look at it again. And when I realized it was withdrawing, I told him, I said, no, don't you go without me. You can't, you can't leave without me. I can't live without this glory in my life. And within that glory was his love. It was so pure. It was so totally love. He showed me many things when I was laying there. And one, he he put out his hand, and in his hand, he had a rock. And I just, I just sat there, and I watched. And then he started knocking on the rock. And it started cracking like an egg. And pieces started falling off. And I realized it was a heart. And he said, this is what I'm doing. I am bringing to life the heart that has been so damaged and so hardened in the church. And I'm causing the hardness to fall away and restoring health. And this is what I'm going to be doing through you. Wow. And in me. Wow. He had to do it in me first. Yes, and you said something about that that I just, I loved in that moment when you didn't just know about him, but you knew him, you gained a father, a brother, a teacher, a companion, a friend, all of those things because now you knew him. Um, I knew him. This is when the point took place that I knew him. He wasn't a figure in a book that I read about that I believed was alive or that I was affected by. I knew him. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks, it's the Lord's prayer, not the Lord's model prayer, but the Lord's prayer where he said, Lord, uh, Father, I pray that they would be one like you and I are one. 
that they would be one with us. I feel like that is the point in my life to where I became in a oneness with God. Honestly, I never thought the same again. My thinking completely changed. I can understand that. I know for anybody, a vision like that, a, a, a feeling of that pure love would be, uh, would impact your life so much. But I, I feel like for you, it was even more profound because of your past. Um, tell, us, tell us about your past and uh, the, what you call brokenness. Well, when I was small, um, I, my mother was painting the living room. She had left a cup of turpentine paint thinner down in a cup on the kitchen table. I got up from a nap. I was about three or four, and I drank it. And I immediately dropped the cup, and it broke. And she came in and realized what I had done, and I got to the hospital, and they pumped my stomach out. And it was just really a bad thing. Well, my grandmother, who my dad's mother, did not like my mother at all. And she was watching us while they were working. And she told me that my mom left it down on purpose because she wanted me dead. And she was no good. And she told me she was evil. And she said, because of that, it didn't matter what I did, I couldn't be good. And so it was really hard. Now, the paint thinner had damaged my kidney and my bladder, and I'd had infections my whole life. I'd had two surgeries because of it and was facing the third surgery. And and you, you actually almost died, is that correct? Yeah, twice. Because I almost died then when I drank it before they got me to the hospital. My eyes were rolling back in my head, my mother said. And and then I got the infection after I got home that was so bad. And my fever was so high. And my mother called a doctor and begged her to come to the house. That's when we had doctors come to the house. That she had no money, but she would pay her 10 cents a month for the rest of her life if she would come. And she did and gave me a shot of penicillin. And after a couple of days, I came out of it. What does it do, Judy, when someone believes a lie? I know you teach on that, and, and that's what you had done. Your, your grandmother had told you this horrific lie about how your mom had wanted you dead and had done this on purpose so that, that you would die. And, and in your heart, you believed this lie. What, what does that do to you? What did it do to you? What does it do to people? It becomes the truth for them. It becomes such a truth that you live out the lie instead of the truth. Mm. You see, I, I believed that lie that I was no good all my life. And that has to be torment for someone who would believe this, this kind of a lie. Oh, it is, because you think you're stupid. I told you I was afraid of people. I was afraid of people and wouldn't get up in front of them to speak because I thought I was so stupid and I, it would embarrass me. 
So I never stepped out. I never became me, me that God birthed. I lived in a lie. And the other lie was my dad, my mom took a letter to my dad. I had written to Dear Abby asking why he didn't love me. I didn't understand. And he read the letter, and then he just shouted out, well, if she weren't so stupid, maybe I could. Wow. So I carried that lie. I'm stupid. And what does that do for you moving forward? What, do, what does that kind of a, a lie do? It Well, for one, it torments you because there's no way you can get out of being stupid. To me, it made me hide from people. I didn't want them to know how stupid I was, so I didn't have any close friends at all. When I got married, I didn't believe my husband loved me. I thought, you know, poor kid. And I tried to be the best wife I possibly could, but, you know, my husband was kind of dysfunctional too, raised dysfunctionally. And and he told me after he married me, he didn't marry me because he loved me. He married me because he thought I'd keep the house clean. Oh, no. And children. So, oh, no. So, you know, it's compounded. You find out you can't learn in school because of a learning disability. Because I was in school in the 50s, they didn't know about learning disabilities. So they put me in the mentally retarded class. I know that's not politically correct to call it that, but that's what they called it at the time. Right, right. So I just had total, you're stupid, you can't do anything, don't even try. And honestly, I got frustrated reading the Bible because it was telling me all the things not to do and the things I should be doing. And I never felt like I measured up to it. Grace of God had nothing to do in my life. <laughs> is that why this vision of the pure love of God, is that why that was so important to you? You said that made a, a, a difference in your life moving forward. Uh, you talk about the heart that needs healing. Tell me about what that did for you. I knew I was loved. I knew for the first time in my life Somebody loved me, and it was God. <laughs> it was then a lot of the scriptures started making sense to me. Mm. You know, God doesn't have love. He is love. He is made up of love. He cannot act out of anything but love. And so when something tragic happens to you and you go, God doesn't love me, he's doing this to me, totally not true. He loves you completely and totally. He loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. You know what? We're going to take a break in just a moment, but I did want to talk to you about one more thing before we go away. Um, this was a, a complete emotional and mental healing for you, the healing of your heart. But you also experienced a physical healing, too. Um, I know you told me about that, and uh, you, you told me that 
all the things that, that were the result of you drinking the turpentine when you were little, the, the bladder infections, mm-hmm. the lifelong kidney infections, the, the surgeries that you had scheduled and all of that, and you were still having problems with that. But you had a physical healing about that. Tell me about that. Well, because of the damage to my kidneys and my bladder and um, urinary tract, I had infections. I had them at least once a month. And they, like I said, I had a couple of of surgeries and was facing the third surgery. And I had this infection and I was in the prayer room during the service and I was just laying there because it was hurting so bad. And my husband came back and said, they're praying for people with pain in the abdominal region. So I went in there and sat down. Everybody was praying for each other. And I thought, oh, too late. And Bill came over to me and he says, what's going on? I said, I have a bladder infection. And he says, well, let's pray for it. So he prayed for it. And literally the pain moved to another side, to the other side. And he said, well, how are you doing? And I said, you want to know the truth? And he said, of course. And I said, um, it moved. It hurts worse. And he said, we've got it. And so he prayed again, and I was healed. We have found in healing that if it increases in pain or if it moves, it's actually the enemy doing it. And so I was healed. And that was an instant healing, right? Instant healing. Mm -hmm. Uh, About three months later, I got another infection, and I thought I'd done something wrong because I lost my healing, and I wasn't going to tell Bill because I was embarrassed. I was (laughs) shamed because I had lost this healing, and it was my fault, and God doesn't take away a gift. And so when he walked into the office, the Lord said, You're, I want you to tell him. And I said, no. And he said, he didn't say anything else, and I knew I had to do it. So I went in and told him. And he prayed again. And, and I haven't had any infection since. And how long has that been, Judy? 16 years. Well, <laughs> that's one of those yeah. yay, yay gods, right? <laughs> yay that, God. That's a I, yay God moment. Well, we're going to take know, a break. It's um, better than a touchdown. <laughs> Amen to so that. We can say yay God. Amen to that. You know, um, Judy began to have visions every night when she was praying, and that she would actually visit heaven. And um, so, we, I want to tell you about what we have today from Judy. Uh, we're going to make it available to you. It's her book and her exclusive three CD series, "Experiencing the Heavenly Realms." Now, I've personally never heard. God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit described as vividly as Judy does. So here's a question for you, everybody that's out there listening. Have you ever wanted to visit the third heaven, the place where God dwells, the place of his glory? Well, Judy Franklin has been there. And when we come back, she's going to tell us how she started having these experiences in the heavenly realm and that you can also experience it too. So we're going to have more with Judy Franklin in just a moment. You can be healed emotionally, mentally, and physically when you learn how to experience the heavenly realm. 
Don't miss Judy Franklin's book, an exclusive three-CD audio series, Experiencing the Heavenly Realm. CD's messages include Perfect Love, Judy's story of a broken past and finding love, the heavenly realm, vivid descriptions of visions and visits to heaven, and third, experiencing the heavenly realm. Judy teaches you to experience the heavenly realm for yourself. Order today for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9411. Once again, the offer number is 9411. Okay, we're back with Judy Franklin, and Judy has written a book called Experiencing the Heavenly Realm. Not just knowing about it, not just uh, learning about it, but actually experiencing the heavenly realm. And also, um, uh, we also have a three-CD teaching series of that same name, so can't wait for to get that in your hands. But just before we left for the break, we were talking about um, the fact that Judy started actually experiencing the visions and visits um, to heaven. So Judy, tell us how you started uh, having these experiences and uh, describe those for us, please. Well, when I got home from Toronto and I shared and the Lord's glory came on me, I would come home from work and just lay across my bed and and I would start praying, but I would see two shadowy figures. And I knew one was Jesus, and I knew one was the Father. So it's like I just prayed to them. Well, I'm a visual person anyway, so I didn't think anything of it. But one day, um, soon after that... And, and what, what was the time frame here, Judy? When did this start happening? When I talked to them as shadowy figures, it happened in February of 97. Okay, so that was the beginning. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know what it was. Okay. I just thought I was seeing him or imagining him. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I went to bed one night, I saw this big door. And it opened about a foot. And something came out. And it scared me because it made me feel different. I thought, what have I got myself into now? But then I realized that it was the same feeling I had gotten from his glory. It was just love. And I stopped praying and started worshiping him. And I don't think I'd ever worshiped him before because this was actually... um, no, right after I had met him, right after the glory had mm-hmm. come. Mm-hmm. And I I was just worshiping him. And, you know, worship, one of the words to describe worship or define worship is to kiss. We praise where we're praising him, thanking him. We worship. That's intimate. That's like a kiss. And I started worshiping him and just telling him how wonderful he was. And 
And then the presence would withdraw and the door would shut. And I think, what, what was that? Every single time I went to pray, that's what would happen. That door would open, Mm -hmm. come out, and I'd just start worshiping him. It was such a close time to him. And, and finally, um, the, the door opened and then swung wide. So the whole doorway was open and I moved into it and there they were. They're still shadowy figures to me then, but it was just, I don't know, that's, I didn't question it. You know, I thought I was a little bit crazy, but I've always thought I was a little bit crazy. So um, it didn't bother me that much. But one day when I came home, um, something had happened at work. And I told, I told the father, I said, I really need a hug today. And instantly I looked to my left and he was sitting on his throne. And he was clearer more clear picture of him and the throne he was sitting on had stairs up one side and so I took off running and ran up there and got on his lap and he put his arms around me and just held me and I was a little girl I could tell you what I had on what I looked like actually I found a picture of me when I was about that age um, and that's what I looked like then and it was just wonderful just being with him. And you you told me that you used the word tangible. Is that some it, it like it was it didn't seem dreamy or somewhere out there. It was tangible, like you could feel it, you could touch it. I yes, it was very tangible. It wasn't it wasn't how do you describe this? It wasn't imagination per se, because I literally felt his arms around me. I felt he, I was on his lap. So when his arms went around me, of course, I was pushed a little bit into his chest. And so I felt that. I felt his love. It wasn't something that, um, I love you. Oh, yeah, sure. It was tangible love. And for you, Judy, someone that had had felt unloved and unworthy and not good enough all of their life, that had to be an unbelievable feeling. You know, I still didn't believe anybody else on on this earth could love me because I was still stupid. So this was monumental to me that he would love me. No matter what I did, he would still love me. He he showed me. He didn't just let me feel it, but he showed me. I saw his love. And what I saw, I don't think I'll ever be able to describe, but I saw it. And it was beautiful. And it was all-encompassing. And I thought, I don't need anybody else's love. I only need your love because it was all-consuming. And it was a year later when he showed me another thing, um, a lie that I had believed that nobody could love me. He wanted to do away with that lie, 
And he did. And I realized, oh, my goodness, people do love me. I was believing a lie. Bill Johnson came out with the uh, teaching about renewing your mind. And that became like my verse for me. We have to renew our minds to believe the truth, not the lie. The only power Satan has over you is if you believe his lie and you act out his lie instead of the truth. Right. Judy, I would love to just go through a a couple of these different places and locations that you were when you were having these visitations into this heavenly realm, uh, just to describe some of them for people. And I also want to make the point that this was almost 20 years ago when this started happening. And I heard you say one time that you thought, oh, this was great and it'll probably stop happening. But it continued and continued and continued even to now. And this was 20 years ago. But I would love to take just a moment here and describe to the listeners some of the places where you were. Uh, You you said uh, at one point you wanted to see more and go deeper, so you kept asking. And so God showed you a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Well, I saw the light. I was standing there, and I, I heard the Lord right behind me, and he said, run, run, run into the light. So I just took off running, and I stopped because it was, there was nothing there. It was like maize-colored, gently rolling hills, and I stopped, and I thought, there's nothing here. I'm really being kind of stupid, and see, there's that lie again, and the father said, keep running, keep running into the light. So I started running again, and I came upon Jesus and the father. And uh, stayed there for a little while. And then I told him, I said, I want to go farther. I want to see what else is here. There's got to be something else here. And where here was, I had no idea. And so Jesus took one of my hands and the Father took the other hand. And the Holy Spirit came and we started running deeper into this, into the light. And we came to this garden that was so beautiful. It was, you know, we have, what, three primary colors? Yes. Well, that's for us. God has unlimited primary colors. Go figure that one out. Yeah. He's not limited. And so the colors were were different than we have here. They were beautiful. There were plants and there was a stream going through this garden and and it was absolutely gorgeous. And it was it took me a while, I'm sure I had my mouth open looking at it because it was so different, but so beautiful and so peaceful and and so whenever I prayed, that's where I'd go to that garden. And he'd always be there for me. You know, Judy, I love the way you describe everything. It's just, um, it's so vivid, and um, and and everything in there has significance, and that he was teaching you lessons all through some of these things. And um, what does it mean? Uh, you said that it was important to know that you can go back to a scene and, and play it again or revisit it or ask God to show you more about it, uh, because every single thing is significant. What do you mean by that? 
He gave me this garden as a gift. He gave me these quote-unquote visions as a gift. They're mine. They'll always be mine. And so I can go there anytime I want. Anywhere I've been, I can go. It's mine. And he made it just for me. I believe he makes a garden for everybody. And they just have to find it on their own. You know, I don't want you coming into my garden. Find your own. <laughs> Get your own garden. <laughs> you know what? I love that. Let me let me just go here when you since you said that. Um, okay opening the eyes of your heart so that you can see talking to everyone that's listening to um to this program um you you believe that there is a garden for everyone and that everyone can see into this heavenly realm um tell me tell us about that well i believe god gives favor differently um to people but he loves everyone the same And he doesn't want a mail-order bride. He wants a bride who knows his son, who knows him well, to where when we come to the wedding feast of the Lamb, we're so in love with him. And I was reading in Ephesians once where it says, um, Paul was praying, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. And I thought, what, are you, what is he talking about, eyes of his heart? So I started looking at heart and eyes and doing research, going back into the Greek and all. And it really isn't heart. It's your spirit. I pray that the eyes of your spirit would be able, enlightened. And I thought, eyes of your spirit? Then I started thinking about the speaking in tongues, you know, your heavenly language and how Paul describes it in Corinthians, how your mind is unfruitful because your spirit is praying. And then I thought about Jesus. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. How many times did he say that? Um, What do you mean our spirit has ears? You see, our body is not going. I call our body our suitcase. (laughs) Our body is not going to heaven, but our spirit is. And according to these, I pray that the eyes of your spirit would be enlightened. So your spirit has eyes. And it has a voice because it prays. And it has ears because your spiritual ears hears from, hear from God. You know, everybody hears from God through their spirit. That's why when it said, renew your mind, our minds are what have all the crud up in it, all the lies up in our heads. But our mind is important because God said, renew it. How do you renew your mind? You start believing the truth and not the lie. Amen. So, Amen. I believe that. Um, No, I was just going to say... Um, you were talking about your mind, so it's uh, to see in the spirit. It's it's not something that you make up in your mind. It's actually something you observe in your spirit. Absolutely, the truth. But it looks like your imagination. 
that's, I thought I was imagining all this. I thought I had this great imagination that was taking over and I was just going along with it. I couldn't understand because in order to imagine something, you have to think of it first. And I never thought of any of this first. It happened. It wasn't a thought in my mind. When I would go to bed or lay down or just want to be with him, it would start happening. I had, um, I was going to say I had no control over it, but I believe I do. I could have stopped it, but I didn't want to. It was like watching a movie. Uh, Judy, do you believe that we can initiate these experiences as believers, as spirit-filled believers, do you believe that we can initiate these? Absolutely. That is the truth. God, again, does not want to mail order a bride for his son. He wants a relationship. He want, He was always after a relationship in the Garden of Eden. He made Adam and Eve for relationship, but that relationship broke, so he... He instituted the law so we could follow the law to have a relationship. And then Jesus came, gave his life for the relationship. The veil tore in half so that we would have access to the Holy Holies through Jesus. Why would he keep his presence from us? Why would we have to wait until we get to heaven? How hard this life is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. But when you have that relationship, oh my goodness, it just opens up the world to you. And he takes you along and he'll show you the lie that you believe. And then he'll heal the lie when we confess it and refuse to believe it anymore. And people, some people aren't persistent. I wasn't at one time. He healed me, healed my heart about the love and everything. But the lie would come back. You're, well, you're stupid. Mm. And I listened to that lie because it was a familiar spirit. Mm. My job is to recognize the lie when it comes. I used to have a horrible spirit of self-pity. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. And when I realized what it was, and I confessed that missing the mark with God, and he forgave me, totally forgave me, I I told him then, please, please make me aware of when that comes back, because I knew it would. The devil's not going to leave you alone, and why on earth would anyone want to believe lies when they have the truth. Judy, can I ask you to do something before we go to break here? Uh, Just hearing you talk about this, I I feel like so many people uh, have been where you are, maybe not the exact circumstance, but when I hear you talking about opening the eyes of our heart to see and stop believing the lies, people have felt unloved. They felt unworthy. They have felt yeah. all of these things. And, and I know you're, you're not the only one that has felt this way. Will you just take just just a moment and minister to those out there who may be feeling this way and then do a short prayer for them 
or hey, a long prayer if you want to, just a, a prayer for them, um, and then we'll take a break and, and be right back. Okay. You know, I know there's so many people like me out there. I, I thought I was the only one until I started sharing my testimony, and then people would just mob me and say, I feel the same way, I feel the same way. One of the most important things that you can do is know God, know Jesus, know the Holy Spirit. The second most important thing that you can do is to renew your mind, is to find the lies that you're believing. I'm no good. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'll never make it. I'm stupid. I don't look good enough. I, you know, I'm not one to stand up in front of people. I'm on and on and on. And those are lies. And if you stop believing that lie, you know where it says in the Bible that, you know, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You know, when a lie comes to me and they come every single day, he he tries to get me to lie, to believe that lie. And I say, he'll tell me a lie, you're no good. And I'll just go, uh, that's a lie that I won't be believing to his face. I want to get in his face and say, that's a lie. I hate what the devil has done to people. I hate what he's done to his, his children, his people, because they are so bound up in all of this stuff that they believe that is not true. He is a good God 100% of the time. He never does anything bad to you. He can't because he is love. And while it seems like things happen in your life that aren't coming out of love, that's the enemy. Well, why doesn't God take it away? God has restricted himself. We know this because bad things happen. But we should get stronger because we have authority over the earth. He gave us this authority. And we're coming to the point, and I believe with all my heart that that scripture, that all creation is groaning, awaiting the release of the sons of God. And if you take that sons back to the Greek, it means children, men and women, when the children of God are revealed. And that's when we're going to be revealed in power. We're going to believe his word that we pray for the sick that they're healed. We're going to believe his word when we say we set the captives free. We believe the truth, not the lie. It's a process. We're all in process. God has a process. Do I fail some? Yeah. But you know something? I see the successes I have with him believing him instead of the lie. So right now, I I want to pray for those people who are feeling this way, that you would start to reveal to them the lies that they believe, and that you would give him the courage and the hope and the strength to go through and not believe the lies. And I pray that the first lie that will come to them is the lie that says they're not believing lies. 
You see, devil is wily. So I pray that they would know that, Father, so that they would understand that in their lives and that they would maybe even sit down and write out the lies that they believe. And I pray that they would listen to your voice, not the liar. He's the father of lies, but they would hear your voice, that their eyes would be open, their spiritual eyes would be open to see what you have for them, the love that you have for them, and that they would be able to hear and they'd be able to speak love back to you. Amen. Amen. So these experiences that Judy was having in the heavenly realm played an enormous role in her healing and helped her stop believing all these lies. And we know and believe that it will do the same for you. So Sid and I want to make sure that you get Judy's book and her exclusive three CD teaching series called Experiencing the Heavenly Realms. If you want to activate your seeing capacity, if you want to go beyond just knowing about God and begin to know him personally, then I just want to tell you this book is for you. In Judy's exclusive CD teaching series, you'll learn that you can be healed emotionally, mentally, and physically when you learn how to experience the heavenly realm. You know, it's going to include three CDs, Perfect Love, which tells about Judy's broken past and finding love, the heavenly realm, which is all these beautiful and vivid descriptions of her visits to heaven, and then experiencing the heavenly realm where Judy teaches you that God wants you to actually experience this as well as she did. So anyway, this is a valuable resource that you can't get anywhere else, so please don't miss it. Well, I have another question for you. Uh, have you ever wondered who you would see in heaven and maybe who you wouldn't? When we come back, Judy tells us who she saw in heaven that she didn't expect to be there. Stay with us. You can be healed emotionally, mentally, and physically when you learn how to experience the heavenly realm. Don't miss Judy Franklin's book, an exclusive three CD audio series, Experiencing the heavenly realm. CD's messages include perfect love, Judy's story of a broken past and finding love, the heavenly realm, vivid descriptions of visions and visits to heaven, and third, experiencing the heavenly realm. Judy teaches you to experience the heavenly realm for yourself. Order today for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9411. Once again, the offer number is 9411. Well, we're back with Judy Franklin, um, author of Experiencing the Heavenly Realms and also a, a, an exclusive three-CD teaching series of the same name. Um, Judy, something magnificent happened. We were uh, talking about who you saw in heaven that you mm, probably didn't expect to see there. Uh, tell us about that. Well, there was a time at one, a Randy Clark meeting, and... I went forward to be prayed for for a healing anointing, 
and I felt the presence of God so strong that I had to lay down. I just found me a corner, and I laid down. And Lord came and said, would you like to see something? I said, well, yes. And he took me to this place, and a portal opened up. And behind this portal was this beautiful scene, garden, trees, just beautiful. It was a big portal. And I was just going from the left side and looking right, looking at all of it. And I got to the right side of the portal, and my dad was standing there. Now, my dad had died, and he had never accepted Jesus as a Savior that I knew of. And when he died, I was, I just felt such guilt because I didn't maybe push him more or talk more, but he really didn't want to hear anything. And I was so surprised. I said, ah, you're here. Like he's in heaven. And he said, yes, I just made it. Well, he had an aneurysm. He knew he had it. The doctors had said, um, this is what's going to happen when it starts to blow. Make sure you get to the hospital right away. Well, he was so miserable, he didn't want to live anymore. So he didn't tell anybody that all those symptoms had started. So when he died, it was quick. But I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, he's not saved. And here I am in heaven seeing him. So I went, oh, you're here. And he said, yes, I just made it. And I thought somewhere between that time, he accepted Jesus and he made his peace. And didn't that give me hope for people that you don't think are saved? Yes. You know, the thief on the cross? <laughs> so I was. I thought, I don't know what to do. I was just so shocked at this. And I started to turn around for some reason. I don't know why. And he said, he called my name. And I turned around and looked at it. He said, I'm so sorry. And I knew he was sorry for the way he had treated me and all the ways that he'd hurt me when I was growing up and when I was an adult. And and I thought, okay. And then he said, I want you to know that I think you're beautiful. I love you. And I'm so proud of you. If the shock level of seeing my dad was a point one. This would be a point five for me. And I, I didn't know what to do. And I looked over at Jesus, and standing beside Jesus was my grandmother. And she walked over to me where my father, I couldn't walk to him, and he couldn't come out of this portal. My grandmother walked to me. Now, I know she'd made her peace with the Lord before she died. I know she had repented of everything. But she came over to me, she put her hand on my head, and she said, I'm so sorry. And I knew what she was sorry for, for telling me the lies. And in that instant, my heart was totally healed, totally healed. And I I love my dad. I love my grandmother. I know they made mistakes, but they're so forgiven. Somebody, when I was speaking in Germany once, came up to me and said, 
how can you have these things in your life and they not hurt you when you remember them? When God heals you, Mm. there is no pain left. Wow. There's no sorrow left. There's no anger left. There's just love because he takes what's bad and he replaces it with love. Now, Judy, not not everybody is a seer or a prophet uh, per se. How do you convey to people that this is not just for you, that this is an experience that they can also have that that can bring them healing or insight or revelation, but it's it's not just for a seer or a prophet or it's not just for Judy Franklin? Well, two reasons. One, because I know of his love for everybody because it's it's so solid and tangible and never changing. It doesn't matter what you do wrong. He still loves you completely. And the second reason is because I'm not special. (laughs) It's really that simple. I am not special. I do. I still do wrong things. I still there's people I don't like. I mean, (laughs) me too. Me too, Judy. I mean, we're just human, right? We are human, and it's it's horrible to be human. <laughs> I want to be totally spiritual, we, and I'm working towards that. That's a goal in my life, to think like he thinks. We're a work in progress. <laughs> we are a true work in progress, and I don't beat myself up. Danny Silk had this saying, I don't do guilt. Mm. I don't do guilt, because if I sin... And that's missing the mark of God's excellence. If I sin and I don't come up to his level of excellence, I ask forgiveness. And Jesus forgives me. And it's gone. If I live in that sin, berating myself, feeling guilty, I'm, I am stupid. Because Jesus paid the price for all of it. For all time. Now, the enemy wants to bring it up how stupid you are. Well, you just can't measure up. Don't, you know, stop trying. You just fail every time. Hey, I still fail at things that I've failed at from the very beginning. I'm a work in progress, but I know God loves me. Amen. I know He loves me right where I am but loves me too much to leave me there. Well, I know everybody that's listening is saying, wow, that is amazing. That is incredible that Judy has had these visions of heaven, uh, the interaction with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that God has healed her emotionally, mentally, physically. But the best best, best part of this story is still yet to come. And um, in December of 1998, a man came to your church, and he had a prophecy over you. Yes, he came. In 1970, I read the scripture where in Second Corinthians where Paul says, I know a man, such a man went to the third heaven, and I wanted to go there. I wanted to see it. You know, they say curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back to life again. I just wanted to see what it was like. 
I said, I'd pray. I say, even if it's just one, but I reserve the right to be able to ask you to go back twice and three times. And, <laughs> and um, so this prophet came in 98. So it was, what, 28 years later. And he prophesied over me and said, uh, I have reserved the catch. I have reserved for you a catching up. And the Lord says you would be the last to think that you could have a third heaven experience. But you have asked, and the Lord says, why shouldn't I take you up on it? Why shouldn't I allow you? And he told me that he was going to be taking me to this third heaven. I was so excited. I was so excited. I thought, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. So I was home, and the Father said, would you like to go to the third heaven now? And I said, yes. And he took me back to the first garden I had seen. And I looked around, and then I very quizzically looked at him and said, but I've been here before. And he said, yes, I know. You see, I had been been there in this third heaven realm all along, and I never even knew it. So I know many of you out there have been to this place, and you haven't recognized it yet. But all oh, the joy you're going to have when you recognize this is where God brings me, and he shows you more and more, because he's excited for you to be with him. He's really excited for you to be with him and for him to show you things that are maybe they're just for you. A lot of times they're just for me. They're just fun. And I always learn from it, but it's, it's just fun. And he wants to have fun with you. And if you just want to seek him out to what am I going to be when I grow up, Lord, um, what gifts am I having? What you know? What all this is and training and for that, then you're missing out on the relationship with a God who initially made us because He wants a relationship. So Judy, you actually realized at that point you actually realized you'd not just been having little visions of heaven, you'd actually been entering into the third heaven and interacting here. So this was an actual visitation and not just a vision, which I find just wonderful. So I hope that happens to me. So I'm going to, I'm going to get your, your book and your CDs and uh, start praying. But I know a lot of people listening are probably saying, well, that was just her imagination or well, this or whatever. But you've got a couple of testimonies that I feel like are so important. You know, when people hear testimonies, it builds their faith. Uh, in those of us that are believers and in those that aren't, you know, miracle testimonies are a sign for unbelievers so that they will know the workings of God. Um, You know, a young man who actually had heard of you doing these visits to heaven and he came to you and he said, here, take this note to God the next time you go to heaven. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I did. It was written on a napkin and it said, dear father, I need some money. Your loving son. (laughs) So the next time I went, I thought, I don't bring anything. I don't come back with anything tangible. And um, the father said, give me the note. And I put my hands out like, what note? And in my hand was that napkin with it written on it. And I, I just 
put it out in front of him, I thought, oh, my, I was couldn't believe this. What's going on? But I gave it to him, and he read it out loud, and he threw his head back and laughed and said, I love him so much. He makes me laugh. And that week, somebody gave him $1,000. Wow. So, so a testimony of, of someone else who actually received an answer through these visits. Um, uh, two more I just have to mention. Um, there was a lady who always felt unloved. She felt unclean because of her past. What happened when yes. she experienced the heavenly realm? She said, when I led him into this experience, she saw Jesus, and she was so ashamed because she had dirty clothes on. And... Um, here she was before Jesus with all these dirty clothes. And he talked to her for a while, told her how much he loved her. And then he gave her a wedding dress. She said it was so beautiful. And when she put it on, her hair was beautiful. She had a beautiful face. She was glowing. It was just so wonderful. And she realized that's how God sees me. He doesn't see the dirt on me anymore. So from all of that stuff that she had felt, she finally felt clean. And her life changed because she didn't go by the lie that she wasn't good enough, she was dirty. She then went by her new identity of who God made her to be. And one more, uh, a, a young boy nine years old, who actually was allergic to everything under the sun just about. And uh, you, you led him. You actually lead people to have their own personal experiences in the heavenly realm. Um, you, you go through this process and you teach them how to do this. And this young boy, nine years old, one night at one of your meetings had his own experience. What happened? Yeah. Well, he is allergic to just about everything, fruits, vegetables, cheese, milk, everything, severely. He's been in the hospital so many times, everybody knows him. And he um, went to see Jesus, and Jesus, came, he told me, Jesus came to him and held out a piece of pizza. Well, pizza has tomato sauce. He's allergic to that. It has cheese. He's allergic to that. And uh, flour, he's allergic to that. He's on a severely restricted diet. And he told Jesus, he says, you know, I can't eat that. I'm allergic to it. He says, if you eat this, I'll heal you. So in this realm, he ate the pizza. When he was home from church, he told his mom what had happened. And she went and got a bowl of pineapple sherbet. Pineapple he's allergic to. Dairy he's allergic to, and she gave it to him. And she stood there with her epinephrine pen ready, <laughs> and he ate the whole bowl. He was totally healed, totally healed. And the next week they went to church, and they always had cheese biscuits that he couldn't eat. And he wouldn't eat one, and the teacher went to his mother and said, he wouldn't eat a cheese biscuit. He didn't want one. Wasn't he healed? And he says, oh, yeah. But he's had so much cheese this week, he's sick of it. <laughs> well, just went on a cheese-eating binge. <laughs> that is truly supernatural, for sure. Judy, thank you so much for being here. I know 
uh, for everybody listening, Judy's experiences with God have made her a bridge to the invisible realm for so, so many people. And you just heard a few of the testimonies. So I want to let you know we're making available to you Judy's book and her exclusive three CD teaching series, Experiencing the Heavenly Realm. Now, this resource includes descriptions of heaven and of the character and nature of God, the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Many of the chapters in the book uh, contain interaction exercises and prayers of activation so that you can actually activate your seeing power and the prophetic in you and your ability to have these visits to the heavenly realm. It will literally change your life. You can be healed emotionally, mentally, and physically when you learn how to experience the heavenly realm. Don't miss Judy Franklin's book, an exclusive three CD audio series, Experiencing the Heavenly Realm. CD's messages include Perfect Love, Judy's story of a broken past and finding love, the heavenly realm, vivid descriptions of visions and visits to heaven, and third, experiencing the heavenly realm. Judy teaches you to experience the heavenly realm for yourself. Order today for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9411. Once again, the offer number is 9411.